Hey, I'm Lynn Rogala. And I'm Ali Diliberto, and we are coming to you from the ladies' room. So we can talk about removing stupid, frustrating, and toxic shit from the world in a way that's not prim enough for the dinner table. Welcome back to the ladies' room. Here we are again. Here we are again. And I feel like until I'm successful and maybe even after that I should be giving like a weekly crow update. I was going to say, wait, wait, successful at what? Befriending a crow, not kidnapping. You're going to have to make way more progress if you want to do this every week. Well, once I do it, I think there'll be like lots of stuff to say. So today I have... It's really funny because you have sometimes said, I really don't want the podcast to turn into like a meadow reporting. (laughs) So now we're going to get the crow report. (laughs) Well, I don't know. I mean, nobody's listening except for me. So as long as it entertains me, then it's fine. (laughs) I don't think that's true. Uh, I looked at our stats. I think it might be true. But anyway. um, Okay. So I have two things. I have my personal crow update and I have an amazing crow story. Which one do you want first? The crow story is not mine. Oh God. Which is the faster one? The update. Which one is going to inform the point of crows? As the crow story. Me, the, the crow story. Okay. Start there. Okay. So <laughs> I saw, I saw a crow story yesterday that was actually two Reddit posts that were like months apart, but someone had screenshotted both of them. Right. So it's kind of like a saga. It's more, I said crow story, but it's more a crow saga. Right, it's two chapters. So the first one was someone posting saying, can I be legally responsible if these crows that I've befriended hurt somebody? <laughs> Which is like, <laughs> how do you not click on that post, right? So she said, she did what I want to do. She started feeding crows to befriend them. She said, I wanted to do just a couple, but it kind of took on a life of its own. And I've got like 17 or 20 crows now that are my friends. They hang around my house and it's fine. Except when my neighbors come, what? No, except for all the crow poop. They don't like live outside. They visit. I don't know how to get you to understand this. Like there's no crow 17 crows visiting are probably pooping on your car window. I don't care uh, who you are. I don't know. They're pretty, pretty nice. Anyway, she said there were no <laughs> problems. Polite. They're polite crows. Yeah. <laughs> you don't go to your friend's house and like take a dump in their living room. <laughs> then I mean, you would really people- have to be like, what is the point of you? Most people don't even like, you have to be pretty good friends with someone or in an emergency to poop at their house. I would poop at anybody's house. What, yeah, is that a thing? You're a weird freak. Yeah, that's a thing. In fact, there, there was even a joke on one of the shows we like where they, this couple was dating and they were celebrating anniversaries. They're like, it's a such and such anniversary since we met. And it's the two week anniversary since you pooped at my apartment. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. Anyway. I thought that was only a thing for men, but okay. No, no. Anyway, the crows are not pooping on the window, but there are 17 of them. There are many of them. And she said, the problem is, she says, I live in a neighborhood with a lot of elderly neighbors. And when they come and visit me, the crows dive bomb them. Like they're trying to protect her territory. And she said, they haven't hit anybody yet, but they've come close. So could I be legally liable if they hurt someone? That was the first post. She's like, do I have some, and, and what do I do about this? So then fast forward a couple of months, there's another post. The crows have now saved someone's life. <laughs> Here's your point of crows. So she said, after posting, wondering about hurting, she called the Audubon Society. 
And they said, there's really no problem with feeding them, but why don't you have your neighbors feed them too? So the whole neighborhood started feeding them. So then the crows kind of considered everyone to be their friends. Um, and so that took care of the dive bombing problem, no more dive bombing. And she said, we just had a really snowy, icy storm, like a storm with a lot of snow and ice. And the crows were outside making crazy amounts of noise, the most noise they've ever heard them make. And someone went out to investigate and one of the neighbors had slipped and fallen in his driveway and he couldn't get back up. He was just lying there in the snow where he had fallen down and the crows went like full lassie to call for help. And they, so someone was able to go and help him up and get him out of the, you know, up off the pavement. And he was, he was not seriously hurt, but he was banged up and bruised pretty badly. So who knows what would have happened if he had laid there in the snow with no one finding him. Crow they heroes. Had fed the crows. Yeah. Crow heroes. Crow heroes. I mean, you should probably get a t-shirt. Well, I mean, I don't have mine yet. So that's, that brings us to the update which is after my raspberries were completely and 100% rejected by not only crows, but anything that lives outside my front door, which is kind of crazy because I even saw a bunny out there the other day. I put some pecans out on a rock. No takers on the pecans either. Wow. I mean, I think you might have to start feeling personally about this i do because it's not even just the crows and ravens i'm like there's nothing in the neighborhood that wants pecans there's lots of birds out there i mean i don't know have you have you done your proper research about what kinds of things crows want as gifts you know that i have raspberries and pecans are what they said they said fruit nuts seeds dog food those kinds of things so right, well, I, think I think you should diverge wildly and go with dog food next. Yeah, I think I am going to buy some really nice freeze-dried dog food and put that out there. Or I could bring fat maybe over and we could see what happens with the crust. No, he might, he might get taken by an owl or a hawk. I don't know. He's very fat. Well, that makes him more desirable as prey. <laughs> All right. Fair yeah, enough. So- Tell the cat computer story i told it on the last podcast oh you told it last week we still haven't got fat baby a computer but it's only because i've been busy and i will absolutely be doing that this week i know but we did decide that now you need to add a little headset for him (laughs) then you get a new smooth jazz microphone and fat baby comes up and pushes his face on it like he He could be on he could be on the podcast (laughs) he'll just be like "Ah," because he wants jazz all right okay so that's all the updates and as we're recording this it's ash wednesday um so we are going to talk happy lent happy lent is that a thing yeah i think so (laughs) happy lent happy lent all right so we're going to talk about lent all right go ahead (laughs) i know all right I love, okay, so I love Lent. I don't know. I was trying really hard to remember at what point in my life Lent became a thing because I didn't grow up in the church. My parent, like my grandmother was a Presbyterian, so they didn't do Lent. And I didn't really have any traditions that really would have pointed to Lent, except I must have started, you know, some connection to like, 
Jesus entering the desert for 40 days and just that con- that connection of like a time of preparing, a time of sacrifice, a time to practice intentionally some of the disciplines, which is for sure not like the traditional take on Lent, you know, as a whole in that little nutshell. Yeah. I mean, I didn't grow up Catholic either. Um, but everyone that I knew who practiced Lent, it was definitely about like it sucking. Um, like, ugh. <laughs> well, well sucks. I guess I'm going to give up chocolate. Ugh. Like there was, uh, there was something very obligatory about it. Um, and also the meat on Fridays was still a big thing when I was growing up. And I remember um, sometimes my- Wasn't it fish Fridays or something? You had to give up meat on Fridays. Um, oh. No meat on Fridays was the thing. So and you so, could have fish. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which I'd heard that like they did that to help the fish people, but whatever. Um, but my best friend in middle school and high school, she was Catholic and she observed, um, you know, pretty devoutly. And so she couldn't have meat on Fridays. And sometimes my birthday would fall during Lent and sometimes it wouldn't. And so at my slumber parties, we had to either get cheese pizza or we had to wait until midnight from Friday to Saturday for her to be able to partake of the pepperoni. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Speaking like, of I, which, I a- holy shit, we got off the podcast last week and I was like, how did we completely skip your 50th birthday and not even, even touch on it during the week of your, of your birthday? But now you're officially super old. I am. I'm a wise old crone who will put a curse on you if you sass me. And send your crow to poop on my window yes i will send my crowy yes. minion all the my way crow who will not eat my treats to utah <laughs> to poop on you oh, i heard sad. one calling the other day too i heard it calling from the tree and i like ran outside to see i ran outside with cons in my hand to see if i could find it but i couldn't find it <laughs> all right Anyway, happy birthday. Thank I'm, you. I'm, you may be going senile already, but we'll no, see how this grows. I am fucking out. charming as hell. <laughs> Wait, you can be charming and senile. It's true. I don't think, especially in your case, that those two things are going to be prohibitive. I remember when my grandfather, my grandfather was, uh, he had, we think Parkinson's dementia. Not sure, but um, it took a really long time. He was a very, very smart person. And so um, it didn't really take him for a long time. Like he would kind of go in and out, but he went in and out more in time. And I remember one time when um, we were visiting and we had just made the dinner and he's, he's like, oh, this is a really good meal. And then he looks at me and he says, you know, there's this nice young man in our Bible study. Um, he's kind of giving <laughs> me the eye, you know? And yep. whoever it was, was probably 75 or 80 at that point. It doesn't matter. <laughs> and, and then he kind of, he, he, you could see, he realized, oh, wait, that's not quite right. And then he covered, he's like, oh, wait, you're not in our Bible study. I said, no, I go to a different one, but I loved that. He was kind of looking out for me, right? Like, oh, he's got this man in mind who would be perfect for me. <laughs> Minus 25, 50 years or so. Uh-huh. That's awesome. So charming and dementia. Okay. All right. All right. Back to Lent. Okay. Yes. Yes. For sure. Lent occurred as like, what are you going to give up for Lent? That is 
for sure what a lot of people think of. Still, people still do. Like I just saw someone yeah. post yesterday, I'm giving up social media for Lent. I'll see you later. Wow. I will see you later. Peace out, bitches. She didn't say that part. I think that's more of a Palm Sunday blessing. <laughs> Perfect. Oh, could I be like okay. ridiculously sacrilegious? I think that's more um, of yes, an absolutely. I think that's more of an Ascension Day blessing. I don't get it. Like that's what the, the day Jesus, Ascension Day. Ascension the day, day Jesus day. went back forty day, fifty days later. Forty days later. Yeah, when he when he went back After to heaven he rose like, again and came back. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Low on with you always. Peace out, bitches. Peace out, bitches. I mean, it probably started out that way and then had to get edited. The you early know, church was for- way more cool than the modern church, so it probably was peace out, bitch day. <laughs> Can we please? have a podcast that day called peace out bitch day <laughs> and maybe get t-shirts let me look and for see beavers when, let me see when ascension day is this year please hold right. please <laughs> please hold that would be 40 days after easter yeah uh thursday may 26 thursday may 26 is the day okay. that the podcast comes out and okay. it might it might be very close to our year to our year anniversary of the podcast, I think it's a little past that. Okay, um, we should still for sure celebrate it and pretend that was our first podcast. <laughs> Happy <laughs> Peace Out Bitches Day. I'm a terrible person. Can you imagine your grandfather rolling over in his grave right now? Well, he, he wasn't Catholic, so he doesn't know about Ascension Day. He was he a pastor, though. He horrified. I know that's why. All right. <laughs> Um, okay. The end. This has been a very good podcast. See you next time in the ladies' room. <laughs> All right. So I love Palm Sunday. I mean, I love, I was thinking about what you said you learned when you were looking this up, but I love Lent because for me, it's always a season. I've, I've always been really drawn, I think, to fasting. So the season that there's sort of in a, um, like, it's a season of like abstaining from something. And I like those disciplines a lot. And so the like intentionally, I always seem during Lent to circle to like, what is there, like, not just to give up, but just what is there to be away, right? Like silence and solitude and, and just some of those practices, maybe like fasting and whatever. But, um, it has just kind of had a rhythm that Lent just kind of cues that season of like, hey, it's time to, um, you know, lean in that direction a little bit. And it's just kind of typically a good time of year for it. And it's been, like I realized last night when I was journaling about it, like it's just been a good time to be really reflective. And that over the years, like there's so little ritual Um, especially for me in the church now, because I mean, I feel like everybody must feel this way after COVID, even people who have spent their entire lives going to church, but between all our moves and all the different things, like my faith doesn't conform to any normal rhythm, like of what I would have thought it would have 20 years ago, you know, going and participating in a local church, all those kinds of things. Are you still there? 
Yes, I'm here. I'm listening. You haven't even said uh-huh once. I was just checking. Oh, well, I had to go on mute because I was coughing and then I needed a drink of water and you were talking. So, and then you went to poop for a minute. I did. No, I did not go to poop. <laughs> just checking. I do um, that on the podcast. I don't leave for the podcast, but no, I agree with you. And also if I can jump in on the, um, the rhythms, I'm starting to get more into like I mean, I kind of always do my own thing anyway. And now that I'm 50, it's going to get way, way worse. Like, oh, gosh, you're so hard to tolerate already. <laughs> I, I, I told Eric, I'm like, because I, I t- I've said on the podcast, I'm get, leaning more into like, what are my true desires? And I told Eric, I'm about to get like a lot more bratty. He goes, oh man, I go, it won't affect you. He goes, okay, good. Because it's things like, <laughs> like when, I went, it. when I went to lunch today, I had a specific thing in mind I wanted and then I, the first place didn't have it. And so I went to a second place. So it's more about like me pursuing my desires, not expecting other people to satisfy them. So it's not going to be bratty, like, Hey, Eric, please give me this. But it's more like I I'm searching for something, but anyway, so I always do stuff my own way. And so I'm getting really obsessed with like creating a rhythm of calendar calendaring that works for me. And I love a lot of the lunar and the church calendars because in the main, you know, Western American, whatever calendar, New Year's Day is where we're supposed to start everything new. And that sucks, man. That's like right after it's right in the middle of a feasting season, as far as I'm concerned. And it's right in the darkest time of the year when everything is kind of shitty. And like, why, why would we pick that as the first day of some new season? And so I love where Lent is placed and maybe even the Lunar New Year, because Lent follows the season of Mardi Gras, which I just recently found out wasn't just one day, but is a whole like season on the calendar that goes from Epiphany, which is the 12th day of Christmas to Lent. And that's like a party. And it makes sense because when you look at the calendar, like January and February are pretty grim and it's a really good time to be feasting and enjoying and cuddling up with blankets and doing all that stuff. And then as we enter into this part of the year, where the stuff hasn't really started growing yet, but now we know we're starting to realize, oh, it will grow again. We're not going to be in winter forever. And then that become this like very pregnant, introspective, withdrawn space that like bursts out into an abundance in spring. I love it. It, it. it fits much better to me than like, okay, it's January one. I know you just spent the last week eating candy, but let's go to the gym. <laughs> Fair enough. It's always felt shitty to me. Like, I don't want to do stuff on January 1st. I'm still in my pajamas. Yeah. I know you've regularly asserted that. And I think it's fine. I love that, that space between Christmas and New Year's and kind of coming around a new corner. But I love like a new journal, you know, like anything where I'm like wide open space, you know, yeah, like that works for me. And I could do that any time of the year. So. Yeah, I would be more likely to do that at my birthday or the beginning of, I still am very married to the, the rhythms of a school year. Oh, fat baby is really trying to talk in the microphone. Well, he needs his own headset. I look like a crow bobbing my head around to keep that baby away. Well, keep him away because right. he makes noise when he bumps it. <laughs> All right. Now All right. that you said, hey, you haven't said anything. And then I said a million things. Go back to what you were saying. Um, okay. So, but I think I like that you, I think that what you 
what you kind of teed off of around like we need more of our own rhythms to orient around because so many of those rhythms even like for sure in the church for culturally like they've just been unraveled and so both by you know culture and all the rapid way that things are changing and for sure covid you know like obliterated the last of most of those in my life but i mean even just how much people move we've talked about really has done kind of a number on how we interact socially so lent has always just kind of been this season like it just arrives like there's no fucking with it arrives that's time and there's just a space where I've tried to always just invite in um, a season of reflection and prayer and I I personally usually do some kind of a fast during Lent but I don't usually like Lent is really like 46 days right from Ash Wednesday to yeah to, Mon- to Monday Thursday I mean no, not te- to Easter oh I thought it was I thought it ended on Easter I think it ends on Monday, Thursday. Oh, right. And then it's well, like it goes Friday. through, but the, yeah, but yeah. the fasting. Yeah. Um, so, but you don't, but they don't fast on Sundays. Right. So, it's 46 days, but only 40 of them count because there's six Sundays where you don't fast. And in Europe, carnival's going on during this whole time. It's really interesting. I thought carnival so, ended on Mardi Gras. I don't pretty sure. No. In Europe, I, I would, I should go back and check my notes because I felt like we had celebrating and people in Halloween costumes, which is what, what like the kids do, um, way, way past. No, I'm positive. It was way past that. I'll, I'll look it up. I will report back more accurately later. Carnival but, um, this year is Wednesday, April. T- oh, that's in Rio. Let's see. When is carnival celebrated in Europe? In Rio, it's in April. It's after Easter. No. Cause we, when we were in Italy we were like surprisingly there the first weekend of carnival which was like late February and I think it just kept going on until almost up to Easter like Palm Sunday or something February no the Cologne carnival is February 24th until Wednesday March 2nd um yeah no we had weekend after weekend after weekend of confetti so officially carnival in Italy is held on fat Tuesday and then after that, all right, I'm going to look at my notes when I am not talking on the podcast. Okay. Um, anyway, so and maybe it was just the timing, you know, how Easter, move, how, like Easter moves around. But anyway, so I love, I always like typically just do my 40 days of whatever I'm going to do lumped together and I skip and I don't, I don't. So I could like Ash Wednesday comes. I'm like, all right, how are we going to enter in? And then, then I feel like I have some runway to kind of sort that out, whatever it's going to look like during that year. Yeah. And um, I think that's really all. I think we can go now. Okay. And I just looked in this year <laughs> in Venice, Carnival was from February 12th to the 1st of March, which was yesterday. I, I think it ends on her. Mardi Gras. I think it ends on Mardi Gras. It wouldn't make yeah, sense to be right. Lent. Like old Europe is way more Catholic than yeah. America. 
I don't know. I'm going to have to look because there was confetti in the streets. Like supposedly confetti was made in Trieste. Like the first confetti was thrown out of the window. Tradition has it. Um, and they literally just paper. It's like snow. Um, just papers the, the piazza and it goes on for weeks. So I'm going to have to look because you might be right, but it felt like it went along wait because the first it really doesn't matter in my mind i'm like the first weekend we went we were in venice and we didn't realize it was the first weekend of carnival but then it kind of ramped up over the course of a month i thought so i'll have to look yeah it's it would make sense for it to be during the mardi gras season and end for lent yeah yeah maybe they just kept throwing confetti and dressing up in trieste i'll have to maybe look. they were heathens and terrible lenten spoilers <laughs> lenten spoilers <laughs> i don't know how else to put it okay so let's have a little serious note i right. think lent whatever the traditions are like i think one of one of the things that really struck me and why i want to talk about lent is i think that um personally i'm grappling with you know, like this season in my life in a really interesting way that has lent landing for me really uniquely. Yeah. But also I think we just need some of these rhythms as kind of a collective or just for ourselves because we're so disoriented in the world every day. I mean, I meet people every day who ask me the weirdest questions in my little Starbucks job. Like, you know, they're still just really disoriented about traveling and why you can't get you know service at a restaurant and like just all these things that are still like really confounding to people and now we have war in Ukraine and this is you know something that's really like people are really a lot of people are really obviously like touched by and trying to process and so especially on the heels of COVID which whatever it was, whether anything bad happened to you during COVID or not, like COVID was really a jarring experience for us as humanity. Yeah, it, it was trauma, even if you didn't get sick or know anyone who got sick and died. It yeah. was two years of trauma because I heard a great definition of trauma in the last month or so um, that really, really gave me a lot of space because I know like for somebody like me who grew up with a relatively safe childhood and blah, blah, blah. Um, it's like, well, I don't really deserve to call this trauma because I wasn't like beaten or burned with cigarettes or whatever. Um, but they define trauma as anything that was too much for your nervous system to handle and in that moment. So trauma is relative. And it wasn't just like a, a feel good, nicey, nicey definition. It's like an actual neurological hormonal like effect on your system difference, um, which is why kids who have like maybe food scarcity have a lot of the same trauma markers in their body as a kid who lived through a war because if it's too much for your nervous system to handle it's it's like kind of a boolean thing either your nervous system could handle it or it couldn't and if it couldn't it was trauma it doesn't have to be like massive trauma to leave that behind in your body so whatever's been happening over the last two years i don't think very many of us had a nervous system who could just roll with it <laughs> be like yeah sure this is fine no problem i'm locked in my house for three weeks i mean even if it was binging netflix and not being sick and having plenty of food it still was traumatic because our nervous systems just couldn't absorb it 
Yeah, yeah, totally. And I think it's good that you said that because how each, like how it landed for each person is still a very unique experience. Like what part of it was upset, the most upsetting or what set you over, you know, all the different pieces, right? Um, and there were certainly parts of COVID that pe- some people really enjoyed, right? Like there was a lot more space and I'm watching people around me do a lot of wrestling with, you know, like, I don't know, I don't really want to be social as I was before this. I don't want to have my life as full as it was, or, you know, all these things that I had to do or whatever. And people who are wrestling with like, you know, the impact of like, I haven't seen my elderly parents in two years or whatever is, whatever's coming up now that we seem to be moving out of quote, out of COVID. Um, But either way, it's had a huge impact, but I want, like what you said about trauma, just kind of, we always used to working with kids who by any standard, you know, were traumatized or abused or whatever. Um, We always had to really listen, not just to the experience, but to the individual, not to just what happened, but the individual experience of it. Because a lot of times people like children or whoever will experience something that to one person would be traumatic, but wasn't to them for one reason or another. Like we look at why do children go from an, an obviously abusive home to a foster home and experience often more trauma in what is a quote, safe, healthy environment because their own experience is what is defining whether or not it's traumatic. And I think that's a really tough thing to define. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, their nervous system can't handle the move, can't handle the shift in altitude. Right. You know, like I was on fire and now I'm, now I'm not on fire. And that change in temperature is really traumatic to me (laughs) because it just is right. Um, And so, and I think also too, as we come out of COVID, there isn't at first, I think when back, you know, two years ago, when we were just starting to see what it was going to be, I think there was this feeling of like, okay, we'll turn it off, turn off life for a few months and then we'll turn it back on and it will be what it was. <laughs> um, I mean, we all thought right. that, right? Like how naive we were, right? Um, and now we realize, no, there's been some things that are never going to get changed for better and worse, right? Some things are changed for the better and some are changed for the worse. And we're not going to just go back. Like every single one of us has changed and all our institutions are changed and everything is different. Um, right. And that's, I think in the whole, that's going to be a good thing, like a forest fire, you know, clearing mm-hmm. out brush, but it doesn't mean it doesn't feel like shit. Yeah. Like they say, oh, a forest fire is good for the forest, but the bunny who's running for its life isn't thinking, oh, I'm so glad that the forest will grow, grow from all this rich ash. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, so I think on the heels of kind of what's unraveling for us as individuals, but for myself, so Lent has meant like Lent's provided space to prepare my heart, to grapple with sin, to create space for what was coming next in kind of a, a cycle of life in my year. Like what is there to wrap up? You know, what is there to reflect on what is like a space to discover and prayer and, and time aside, like what's going to come next and like the space to like create a new birth essentially. And my life has fallen, I mean, year after year of this rhythm, but I found this year that I've been resisting 
the space that I often so much long for and prepare for because I think I'm grappling with those ideas in a way I never have because for sure COVID, right? And I'm not saying that I went through um, like anything harder than anybody else. Like we all have our own experience, but in the midst of COVID, I went through what was for sure the most traumatic experience of my life, um, which was when Josie was missing. Right. When Josie ran away, like there was that, that for me, like unquestionably was the most traumatic experience of my life. And then the ongoing mental illness and loss of the relationship and like what my motherhood will look like. And, um, and then Peggy, you know, her accident right on the heels of Josie being home and just a year of just, you know, like there's like a three-year narrative of just some really intense trauma that every time I've cycled, I'm like, okay, that's over. Now we're gonna, you know, like it's time for this new thing. And then there's just been more suffering. And so I've, I was sort of comforted as I was like getting ready to sort of start Lent yesterday because I was reading, um, maybe Lynn will link it, but a fantastic, what I thought was a pretty fantastic article by, um, a woman who's a pastor or priest or something. Um, but I just really liked her thoughts about like the spiritual life is a place where we grapple with life and death and the way they inform each other. And that even the cycle of our faith with Christ coming and living and dying and the process um, and life again is something that we enter into and that we're so inclined to lean away from it um, just in our society, right? We have so many distractions, we have so many things, um, but we're all, we've all been confronted with this huge disruption. And I've, I just loved sort of the invitation to grapple that like, that was a space that is holy. Like, and I can, and I feel like everyone around me is maybe, maybe you not in quite the same way. So I shouldn't speak for everybody, but just kind of, I don't know. I think I can speak for you. Like she said in the article that she, like, we find ourselves longing for religious rituals that acknowledge mystery, meaning and honor and hope in death. Um, and I was, I'm sorry, and horror, not honor. And I'm like, yeah, there's a space where we don't have room for all the really hard and all the difficulties and the place where I have no idea when I look at like the carnage of the last like year alone of my life. If I just look at it in front of me, I don't know what to do with any of it. And when I, but I'm like, I long for this space where there's some kind of mystery beyond what was expected. Like, you know, for lack of a better analogy, like, there's an empty tomb. There's just all this, or this, there's a tomb with a body in it and just all this death. And, and I don't know where to expect, you know, a miracle or like where God enters in. And it feels, I don't know, like sacred and like really brave to come into that space with all the brokenness that I find in myself and that I see in the world, you know, and, that I see inside just everyone, what's happened with everyone because of COVID, the impact on just the mental health system and the healthcare system and our own lives and our connections and, you know, our institutions and all these different things. Um, I can find a lot of hope, but there's also a lot of suffering. And so it just feels like a space to say, like, 
I don't know, like maybe in the midst of all of this, you know, there'll be a space to stumble on and I'll be coming to confront death and I'll find an empty tomb that will surprise me. Oh, that's lovely. I mean, that's a really lovely way to end it up. I, I don't mean that. <laughs> I hope that didn't ta-da! sound sarcastic. Yeah, ta-da. <laughs> um, no, because while you were talking, I was thinking that one of the things we really miss out on knowing how it ended is what Holy Saturday must have felt like. Um, right, because we expect it in the story, right? Yeah, we know now it's coming we do. in the story. Although yeah. I would say that Jesus said it over and over and over again, and people just weren't listening or couldn't process or couldn't understand it. He's like, listen, I'm going to have to die, um, but don't worry because I'll come alive again. And people are like, oh, um, great. Uh, could you pass some of that bread and fish? Um, and then when he died, his um, there were so were many like, mysteries the way he holy. spoke anyway, of course. Right. Right. So I think there is, you know, we were like, okay. And it was only, only quote, only one day. Right. But the people that were in the story at the time didn't know it was only one day. Like if they had known there was only one day they had to get through, that would have been a different experience than what they experienced. So even though it was only a day, um, it, it was, it must have stretched to infinity for them. Right. Like I thought this was the thing. I thought this was the man. I thought this was, everything's going to be different. It was all different. And now he's dead. What was that all about? Um, and I think we, we missed that part of the story. In fact, we never really even talked about when I was growing up, like we talked about good Friday and Easter, but we never talked about that liminal in between day, the worst part of the story. Right. Like in a lot of ways, it's worse than Good Friday. Yeah. Um, because yeah. that's like the hope is fully extinguished. You think it's not, but you might as well be. Um, and so, yeah, spending time on Saturday is not fun. It's not something we can enjoy. Yeah, I love it. Can I read just one of the one of the quotes from the article? Kind yes, of capping please. it off. So, and I, I already rewrote this in my own handwriting, so if it's not perfectly quoted, that's on me. But Ash Wednesday does not end with an invitation to distraction or consumer comfort, nor does it end with the imposition of ashes. After the ashes, the Anglican Book of Common Prayer, the priests asked at the least, I'm sorry, I can't read my writing, at, the, at last may we come to God's eternal joy. And then we take communion together. And I just, this is the part I love, a tangible decree that ashes give way to beauty, that death gives way to eternal re- resurrected life. And I just, and then she quotes now one who's my favorite. If you, like, if anybody asked me for like, what should I do during Lent? Like, grab a journal and grab anything by Henry Nowen and just spend, you know, a few minutes a day because his writing is so profound. But anyway, he says she, she chooses, Lynn's going to make me a blend called transcendent realism because he says um, that the community of Christianity, the hope of Ash Wednesday is transcendent realism and that transcendent realism comforts, um, confronts, I can't read, I can't read, (laughs) speaking of Ash Wednesday, transcendent realism confronts the truth of the grave. And it is in this truth that we 
that it, and it is in this truth that the most important questions of our lives get a hearing. We need more than a diversion, more than work and pleasure. We need deep, resonant, defiant hope. And I just love that because what we normally do is what is there to do? What is there to solve? And I just felt like maybe this year for me, Ash Wednesday will be a place to really give hearing to like all the questions and the grappling and the doubt and the space for hope in the midst of like a set of circumstances that had defied my own ability to logically hope not in God, but in like the, what the fuck are we doing here for real? And what was yeah. the point of years and years and years and most of the work of my life up to this point. And so I love, like, it's a season for those questions and longing and the longing for hope in the midst of despair to get a real hearing. And that like, maybe God has a space to enter into that with me. I just love that. So that's the, that's the raw lend for you this year. There you go. Um, I mean, that was really beautiful. I'm sorry, that sounded dismissive, but I just don't know how to add on to it <laughs> because it was so beautiful. Um, but and- I do hope you'll make me a blend because Lynn sent me a box um, for grief, like that a friend of hers made um, for Christmas. And she promised me a blend. And I was like, this is what I want my blend for grieving to be called. Okay, perfect. Because I think... <laughs> I mean, she's talked about, she does grief events and she's, we've talked about including a blend into her grief events. And I said, I would make it for your box and then, you know, license it or give or whatever it looks like over to her experience so that more people could, um, you know, that bring it into the experience of grieving. Yeah, that's good. All right. All right. Happy Ash Wednesday. Happy Happy Lent. Happy Lent. (laughs) All right. And on that note, we will see you next time in the ladies room. Ciao. Thanks for joining us. Be sure to subscribe to catch us in the ladies room. You can also find Lynn at A Spacious Life on Facebook, Instagram, and in Clubhouse. And find Allie at 5 Billion Entrepreneurs on LinkedIn and Instagram. Mm -hmm.